I'm Olivia Clement. I'm Isaac Sims. And this is Flyover Film Country. I almost said show. Just throw it back there. Back to throwing it back to the OG. We are going to die. And today we're covering the newest Indiana Jones movie, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. And what could be more American to celebrate the 4th of July than talking about an old white guy who goes in and his entire career has been stealing artifacts from other countries and other civilizations and claiming it as his own. Well, he says, this belongs in a museum. Which is basically what every museum is. Yeah. Um, so how do, you, how do you feel about museums? Man, I have, I, I feel similar to museums as I do zoos. Like, it's really cool that I have the opportunity to go see these artifacts and the, these pieces of art and these animals that I would never, ever in a million years be able to see otherwise. But I'm like, these animals need to be out in the the world. But then also yeah. there's like poachers who are killing the animals. And so, you know, like I think about tigers or elephants and they're these beautiful majestic creatures and it's like oh man this this is bleak and then i think about (laughs) i actually have thought about the the bit from spider-man across the spider-verse where pavi or whatever the the indian spider-man is talking about uh this is where the traffic is and this is the traffic and this is traffic and this is where all the british people put all of our stuff (laughs) from stolen yeah all of our stolen stuff or whatever and it's like ooh, yeah Yep. I forgot about that scene. This is the traffic, yeah. and this is the traffic. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, being Spider-Man in any large urbanized area would be awesome because you could get anywhere you needed to faster oh, than anyone so else. so much faster, yeah. 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 So, how Hashtag do you feel about museums? Um, well, zoos are a little bit more depressing because like, I'm sure if a tiger was sentient, they would be like, why am I in Little Rock, Arkansas? You know? Right, yeah. Um, Which is the whole the point of Madagascar. That's true. Yeah. So that's a whole plot of its time. It was. Yeah. Um, I love, do you remember the museum we went to in, um, Kansas city? Yeah. Yeah. That was a great museum. I had a a blast at that museum. It was a great museum. Yeah. Um, so we had a great time there Mm -hmm. and I wish that I could like go to that museum every weekend. Honestly, it was really cool. It was so Um, cool. I can't remember the name of it. Are you trying to find it? That was oh, the no. picture that we uh, posted when we were talking about, or we were asking people for questions for this mailbag. Yeah, we were just a couple of young guns. Young guns. Um, yes, that's the other thing. The other, the second half of this episode is going to be us answering questions from you, our listeners. So thank you for sending those in. I think yeah. we grabbed every single question. I think so. And we're going to give our respective answers. Right. The name of the art museum in Kansas City is the Nelson Atkins Museum of Art. It is a lot of fun. Top notch. Got some good pictures from there. We did. Um, So let's, okay, let's just dive right in. Let's dive right in. Um, Olivia, what is your relationship to Indiana Jones? I have no relationship to Indiana Jones. I watched the very first movie for the very first time a week ago today as of this recording. 
So when this uh, episode comes out, eight, no, ten days prior. Out of five stars, what rating would you give Raiders of the Last Ark? Lost Ark. <coughs> Uh, this is going to be a hot take, and it's going to be very controversial. I'm giving it two and a half. The more Ooh. I've thought about it, I gave it originally a three and a half, but the more I've thought about it, the more just uh, frustrated I am with that film. Okay. So, it's a hot take, I know, and... Good thing Walter's okay. not here. We'd gang- I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, does Walter, I'm feeling I a little more generous than the last time we talked about Lord of the Rings. Oh my gosh! Here, okay, here's here's my thing. The movie. No, the floor is yours to. The floor is yours for your take you. on Raiders. Yep. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the floor. Here's my reason. The movie would be a gr- like it would be probably a great movie to for me if Mary the character of Marion wasn't in it. Marion is a horrible character which i know coming from me i've never heard anyone yeah this is interesting she's just a pawn the whole time she has no depth no there's no development for her throughout the movie the coolest part about marion is when she's first introduced whenever he goes to nepal or wherever to get her and or actually to get the artifact not to get her to get the artifact that he needs and she's like in this drinking contest with this, you know, big guy from Nepal and she wins. And I'm like, okay, cool. She's a badass. All right, let's go. Yeah. And then she has, that's it. Yeah. She's, she's just a ditzy woman the whole time that is really just serving as a se- sex object to Indiana Jones, to the Nazis. The other guy, yeah. Yeah. The other guy, whatever the, the rival. Yeah, the rival archaeologist. So it just, it's just upsetting to me. And I realize, like, part of me is like, this came out in 1981, so maybe I should just, like, give it a little grace. But then I think about the fact that, like, Alien came out in the 70s. It came out two years prior. I think it came out in 79. And, you know, the character of Ripley, played by Sigourney Weaver, was so much more dynamic than that. And... Mm. And it's not that I want, like, every female character to be this, like, great person who who I can admire and look up to. Like, I'm not saying that, because, like, we'll talk about this in a minute, but, like, the character of Helena in the new one is a deeply flawed character. Like, yep. she's not someone I'm like, I want to be more like her <laughs> because of some of the choices she makes. But she's an interesting character to me because she's dynamic. And, and and maybe maybe the character of Marion has a better overarching arc throughout the the series, but at least in the, like the first one, I'm like, I don't care mm-hmm. about this character. And I will say this though, the action scenes were cool. I really liked the like chase scenes. Um, so so there were there were some cool parts to the movie but the more i've thought about it the more upset i become with the characterization of marion yep. and so that is why it's really excuse me hard for me to like get on board with indiana jones now had i seen this movie as a child i probably would have had a different relationship and experience of it so i realize like something that i think george lucas does well 
and and part of it is whenever these movies came out, right? Like George Lucas created the character of Indiana Jones, Spielberg directed the first one. I don't know if he directed how many of those he directed. He um, directed all of them except except for this one. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, <clears throat> so I think that like George Lucas creates these movies, it, like release these movies in the 70s and 80s and so they have this like real great sense of nostalgia for a lot of people and i think a lot of people who watched it when it came out have that sense of nostalgia with them and so i think about like people like our parents right like people our parents age really love indiana jones and i think people who are our age love it because they watched it as a kid because their parents loved it you know that's where you're wrong because i love them because not for that reason but okay but, and i'm not yeah. saying like that's the case for uh, clearly that's not the case for everyone but i think that's sure. the case for a lot of people right like i think i would have a different relationship with star wars had i watched those movies the at least the original trilogy as an adult versus as a small child yeah that's fair. so like um, i think i would feel differently about leia now than i you know if i had watched those now as opposed to as a kid so. Well, bring, I think bringing up Princess Leia is a good comp to Marion because in and to answer your question about like the overarching um, her overarching story throughout the Indiana Jones movies she is in Raiders of the Lost Ark and then Kingdom of the Crystal Skull for the last 45 minutes I think okay. or maybe an hour but it's it's like kind of the back half of the movie okay. um, and, in, and in Crystal Skull you get the sense that she needed to be there for like just a little bit longer than she was. And she doesn't play Mm -hmm. quite the role that she should have. She should have Mm -hmm. had more of an important role um, than she did in Raiders. And so that's part of the Chris, part of Crystal Skull's flaws. Mm -hmm. And then spoiler alert. Oh yeah. We'll start spoiler alert for, or spoilers for um, Dial of Destiny starting right now. She appears right at the end of, um, right. Dial of Destiny as well um, and a kind of an emotional turn that we'll kind of get into whether or not that worked for you and mm-hmm. me um, individually but that's one of my big criticisms of Dial of Destiny is that she should have had a much more prominent role in that movie as well mm-hmm. and that she's kind of like just handed a little nod instead of actually been being honored as like a mm-hmm. major character because she's the most important woman in Indy's life um, and there are some people throughout the, the, you know, who lo- really love these movies who think that she should have been the damsel in each movie because mm. she could have had more of a princess Leia sort of role. So mm. she kind of had more of the episode six Jabba, uh, bikini role in Raiders, even though I, I read that movie a little bit differently than you. And I read her, sure. um, her role a little bit differently than you, although your view is completely valid. Um, she, doesn't get a chance to be Princess Leia on Hoth or to like kind of call out Harrison Ford for his bullshit as much as Leia does in Star Wars. So I think that's an interesting, uh, it's just interesting that, um, that you, that you have that take, even though I totally understand why you have that. Yeah. 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 And I was talking about it at lunch today with, uh, some friends from church and, uh, one of my friends, Josh, he loves Indiana Jones. And today at, at church, before we had left for lunch, he goes, I heard you saw the new Indiana Jones. What'd you think? And I was like, it was fine. And he goes, what? 
He was so, like, <laughs> upset, like, just taken aback. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, well, what'd you think of the first one? And I was like, it was, it was a good. Fine. Yeah, I was like, it was fine. And he goes, all right, this is just not the franchise for you. And I was like, it's not. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, like, I think it was easy for me to just kind of make the comparison between Marion and, and Leia, since they're both George Lucas characters. Um, Have but, you, let me ask you this. What, what do you think about Pirates of the Caribbean? I have not watched those as an adult. I've watched I watched them as a kid and I mm. loved the the first one especially as a kid. Um but that's actually a franchise I've been like thinking about a lot recently and, and wondering like should I go back and and rewatch them? Um for similar reasons of like yep. is Kira Knightley's character like is she as cool as I remember her being or is is she also a damsel in distress the whole time? We rewatched um, um dead man's chest and we're kind of halfway through at world's end is so long so we're like halfway through it but is that this, the third one yes okay in indy indiana jones is i love indiana jones and for the same reason i love parts of the caribbean there's mm-hmm. so few adventure movies now sure the closest yeah. is mission impossible they're globe trotting they're kind of in new locations but they're mm-hmm. those are aren't quite adventures those are sure those pure are action movies spy movies yeah yeah and so I will say this about especially the first Indiana Jones movie. As I was watching it, I could see the impact that that movie had on the rest of like adventure and action films. Like, yep. I'm not trying to discredit what it what it has meant to film and cinema as a whole. It's just not for me, and that's okay. Sure. Yep. But I I can appreciate what it means to to cinema. Mm-hmm. I would. I'll kind of like, you know, wrap up, you know, our individual relationships and that discussion of this franchise, Mm -hmm. uh, just by posing, if you had to watch one more, um, last crusade, I think you would actually like, because it's the third one. Yes. It doesn't have the same problems of like, um, you know, kind of sidelining the female lead. Um, Mm -hmm. and she's more capable and Sean Connery is really good. And, Last Crusade is pretty close to being my favorite Indiana okay. Jones movie. Raiders takes it by just a couple points, but um, it is super fun. And like, it kind of is almost more enjoyable than Raiders because it has more pure fun okay. in it. So that's that's just my my final kind of like cap on that conversation. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, Dial Destiny? Dial Destiny. Where are you going to start uh, with it? <laughs> how about... How about uh, 80 year old Harrison Ford talking out of a uh, 40 year old oh Harrison Ford's <laughs> mouth. I, I saw that you liked my, my review oh my on Letterboxd. Yeah. I, so my re- review on Letterboxd, I don't remember what I said word for word, but I basically was just like, so you can de-age his face, but you can't de-age his voice. Cause as soon as <laughs> yeah. you started talking, I was like, this is current Harrison Ford old man Harrison Ford's voice. You know what? You know what? It, it, it's like uh, Tim Allen in Toy Story 4. He's like, oh, <laughs> it's like, Tim Allen, you've been smoking so much. Yeah. Which, like, listen, here's the thing. I deeply love Harrison Ford. Um, and this is something, I watched the first movie with my friend Tyler, and at the end, he was like, why would Marion go to Indiana Jones after all the stuff he put her through? And I was like, because he's Harrison Ford. Like, mm, yeah. he's a young Harrison Ford, and he's very attractive. Um, so, anyway, I love Harrison Ford. It's just, 
why does Disney want to de-age every actor who's over the age of 60? Just how do you feel? Let's, let's talk about de-aging for just a second. Um, because Disney's notorious for it. Um, right. Famously. Okay. So I don't know if it was the first time it couldn't have been the first time, but it was several years ago. And it's the first instance that comes to mind for me. They de-aged Michael Douglas for the beginning of Ant-Man. Yes. Do you remember this? And yes. But they de-age him, not to look like he's 35, but to look like he's 65 instead yeah. of 75. Yeah. Yes. And it was just, it, like, it was, it took you aback. Yep. Because it was just like, what? what is that? And then they keep using it. So they've used it, you know, with Mark Hamill in Mandalorian. They used it here with Harrison Ford. They used it. In Captain Marvel with Samuel L. Jackson, they've used it again with Samuel L. Jackson in Secret Invasion, mm-hmm. and so it's just like, what are we doing here, guys? Did you see the Irishman? The de aging in the Irishman? Oh no, I haven't watched the Irishman. Did they do that? How was that for for the Irishman? It, it here's the thing. It looks good, but again, the technology I feel like can only take you. It's like I'm kind of mixed on this whole technology, sure, because. I, I think that in Disney's case, they had the perfect person to play a young Luke Skywalker in Sebastian yeah. Stan, and yeah. they just didn't. They were like, no, we're going to de-age right. like Mark Hamill, and the eyes look really weird. They look kind of mm-hmm. lifeless. But then on the flip side, you know, for something like The Irishman, you put all the money in, like, I, would, I support people like Scorsese trying to do stuff like that for their... Um, De Niro's and what have you, but De Niro looks super old mm-hmm. when he's de-aged, and it doesn't mm-hmm. look good. And not mm-hmm. that it looks the CGI looks bad, but that it's like you successfully made him look only ten years younger. Yeah, and that's like why? Why did you put all the time in? Why? Why sure. can't you just cast someone else who right. kind of looks like a young De Niro? Well, and like my thing is, is like. We have the technology, but it's not there yeah. yet. And also, it doesn't have to be. Like, there have been plenty of movies where the, we've had flashback scenes between, like, an older version and a younger version of a character, and it, people are able to follow along. It might be, like, it might take a second to realize, oh, this is the younger version of this character. But the audience gets it. Like, we're not yeah. stupid. And so, I don't know, how much more money is it to to cast a younger actor versus however much it costs to do to use the technology, however much it costs to pay, well, I guess Disney probably doesn't pay the person who's doing the visual effects very much. Um, so, I guess it's probably cheaper than paying an actual actor. Yeah. But, still, but again, it's like I, I think at, I think at this cost? is kind of the they're running out of runway with it, and mm-hmm. it's not working. And mm-hmm. I don't think that popular or like just average movie audiences respond to it quite as much. It does look he looks pretty good. He looks pretty. He young. looks yes, he does. He but his he voice does look is just younger. consistently like this is not young Harrison Ford talking. Right. And there's definitely the technology j- exists to make him sound young. So I just had to like. That's a big thing that I think people are going to kind of have negative reactions to like we did. So I had to yeah. like spend some time on it. The one the one example of it being very good is Gemini Man with Will okay. Smith. 
Did you um, watch that? No, but in the trailers and in like clips that I saw, mm-hmm. when his young version comes on screen, I'm like, mm-hmm. dang, that looks really good. It, yeah, and, and it's like partially because Will Smith is like, I, maybe his voice isn't quite past the checkpoint sure. that Harrison Ford's is, and they were right. able to make that work. But it, he looks much younger, and it looks believable. Right. So yeah, and sounds believable. So yes, yeah, and I wonder too if if Will Smith is, is a little bit better at like at doing voice acting yeah, than that's Harrison Ford, you know? Cause like, I don't even know if I'm sure he probably has at some point, but I don't know if Harrison Ford has done any voice acting ever. Whereas Will Smith probably has, I, I know he has done voice acting, but like, I think he's probably a little Shark bit better Tale. at impressions. Yeah. I mean, Shark Tale. Let's classic. Classic. <laughs> and it has Martin Scorsese in it. Yeah, and Robert De Niro. And Robert De Niro. So, um, honestly, that I I love I love Shark Tale. Is it a good movie? Probably, like objectively, oh, no. probably not. Yeah. But that's okay. So anyway. Okay, but so we we we've heart. What do you think about that whole sequence at the beginning with the train and trying to get the spear, and then the spears fake. Spears uh, fake. They realize half the dial is there. Yeah, I I mean I liked I thought the opening sequence was was fun. Yeah, like yeah. I was like okay cool. I I think I've come to this realization recently. I love a good train scene. Train's I think it's great. Yep. Yeah, I think it's because we're gonna get one with Mission Impossible. Yeah, we're gonna get a one. really yeah. good one. I'm sure. Oh yeah. But yeah, like I I think maybe it's just like I don't see trains very often because I live in Oklahoma and like. I don't know. It's kind of, so there's something really suspenseful about a train traveling through the mountains, and there's like you know cliff on one side and mountains on the other side, and, and tunnels. You're going you through do, tunnels. Yeah, yeah. And so, so yeah, like I just think there's something cool about a train scene, and so I, I thought that was a really fun sequence. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it it is kind of long, which is unusual, sure. like an unusual opening action sequence for even by the Indiana Jones movie standards. But yeah, it's, it's fine. Um, so we move into the present and basically the premise of this movie is that he has to clear his name after Phoebe Waller-Bridge's Helena, um, kind of like sets in motion. She steals the Antikythera, the Dial of Destiny, half of it from Mm -hmm. Indy. Indy Mm -hmm. gets incriminated for murder in like a very weird, like kind of dark by franchise standards movement yeah. and then he has to clear his name and Dr. Jurgen Vollers played by Mads Mikkelsen basically starts chasing them and then the movie is just kind of like one long chase. Right. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. Um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge start there. Okay. She was great I think. I really liked her. Your wife. <laughs> I really liked her character. There yep. were a couple of times where I was like is she gonna look right into the camera like she doesn't flee back? And it almost seemed like she was going to. And I would have loved that. That would have only mattered probably to you and me. Yeah. Oh god. I, I don't. <laughs> I, oh god. Oh god. Um. But she didn't, and that was. I understand why, but that would have been really funny to me. Yeah. Um. But I thought she was great. I again, I really, really liked her character clearly deeply flawed but she was really funny and smart and clever and compelling because like even with so so she is indiana jones's 
goddaughter. You see her dad at the beginning in the, the train chase scene. Um, her dad and Indy are old pals, right? And so, so you see her as an adult and, and you learn like kind of what happened to her dad and how he was kind of driven to madness essentially with this like obsession over the dial of destiny. Right. And it makes sense that she's so jaded. And I, I, I actually kind of love when female characters are like super jaded. I think it's fun and it's a lot better than the ditzy damsel in distress act Mm -hmm. that we see clearly see a lot in this this franchise specifically yeah but um from my point of view i'm owning that it's my point of view other people feel differently and that's okay but um (laughs) so so yeah tell me yeah i want to hear you gush about about your other wife so she uh she rules in this movie oh Um, yeah and this i'll i'll get to this more so our first mailbag question is what we think is the best indiana jones movie which I'll, I won't like spend a ton of time on it, but I'm going to rank all of them okay. and I'll kind of get into like where Dial of Destiny falls and all of that. But I'll say just right now that Phoebe Waller Bridge is perfect for this kind of action adventure oh, or even yeah. something like Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, oh, she would be so good she in, would a, be really, really a good in a Pirates like, movie. She has this sort of smart assery, badassery, like mm-hmm. intelligence, quippy, like she's. She's the closest version to someone like, honestly, someone like Robert Downey Jr., like yeah. except a female equivalent. Um, sure. And people who haven't seen Fleabag, that's on Amazon Prime. It is just sublime. <laughs> like it's it's probably sublime filmmaking one of our favorite shows. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So my favorite acting ever. Um, she's incredible, um, but she, what the movie's doing is so clever because. I don't think this movie's very good. I think it's the weakest Indiana Jones movie. But she, her inclusion in it, with without it, the movie would fall completely flat. Sure. And it's one of the things that Crystal Skull, which we'll like compare to because it's the most recent, other recent one, it's the most other like modern Indiana mm-hmm. Jones take, even though it's from like almost 20 years ago, which is crazy. Crystal Skull does not have that. And mm-hmm. Shia LaBeouf really needed to be something closer to Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Mm. But at the same time, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is really channeling female Harrison Ford energy sure. from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Sure. Because Harrison Ford is too old to be sexy or cool. He still is. Sure. But, but she's carrying all of those characteristics. And it's, it right. works so well because they have incredible chemistry together. Yes. I think Harrison Ford is cool and sexy because he's always been that way right like if they had just thrown him in there and or thrown in some some random guy it would have obviously been really different but she yeah she has this charisma about her that is so it's hard not to like her honestly i've never met anyone who has seen her in fleabag or something else and been like yeah i didn't like her i think she's annoying because she's just innately likable Yes. Yeah. And she has unique, like, feature, like, facial features. Like, she's really tall, and she's, like, not... She's beautiful, but she's not, like, your traditional beauty, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and But she still, like, oozes 
coolness and yep. and like she's so smooth. It, it's it's she's just really unique, I think, and different from a lot of the other like actresses right now in Hollywood. And I think yep. she's like she wrote Fleabag and created that that show and character, and it, it's so different from any like any other show I've ever seen. And I wish that we had more than two seasons, but I'm so glad that we have these two seasons. Yep. Um, so, yeah, so I'm just, I just, yeah, I, I'm really partial to her. She's the best part of the movie, for sure. Yes, for sure. And they, and I feel like she, that's, one, that's like my other critique of the movie, is that they don't quite, um, they don't quite neatly tie, tie up the whole thing of the, I think they set it up very well in the mm-hmm. beginning with Harrison or uh, with Indy being uh, separated, divorced from, mm-hmm. from uh, Marion. Yeah. You don't know why, but you just know that they're separated, that he's about to retire, that he's just like, he's in this, he's aging and the world is changing and mm-hmm. men just landed on the moon and right. the, this is just a diff- different world than where he initially was when he was young and archaeology is not cool anymore. All that mm-hmm. stuff is really good. And I feel like Marion, Marion's inclusion at the end of the movie is good and like kind of moving, but then it all, I was also immediately taken out by how it, there isn't quite like, there's just a little bit of relational like connective tissue missing between mm-hmm. um Helena and Indy. There just there's just there needs to be like one or two more conversations between them about like why they're doing all this throughout the movie. That's like my one critique mm-hmm. of really like their their chemistry is incredible, but I think they mm-hmm. need just a little bit more of it for the end, especially with Marion just coming in at the end to be mm-hmm. really believable and mm-hmm. for it to solidify for me personally. So. Sure, sure, yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't really have anything to add to that because I, I just, I, I'm not attached to this series, or sure. this franchise, yeah. or this You're character. So for me, it's like, it was fine. Here, here's my thing about this movie. I enjoyed my time while watching it. I had yeah. a good time. Is it a perfect movie? N- no, by by no means is it a perfect movie. Clear, like just the opening scene is just like, ah, why are we doing yep. this de aging thing? Mm-hmm. But that being said, like, if you're wanting to have like, go see a, a summer movie, I think this is this is a good one to go see. Yes. Um. Yep. So, yeah, I, I mean, yes, there there were probably I would have loved to have more scenes between, you know, her and, Her- and Harrison Ford just because they're both good actors and they're they're like such smart asses that it would just be fun to see them go back and forth a little bit more. Yeah. And, um, I, I think that that would have been maybe a little more compelling Mm -hmm. for their stories. And, um, yeah, honestly, more Mads Mikkelsen. Like, yep. He's, he is so, so good. He plays a bad guy so well. I saw a tweet, or not a tweet, it was a review on Letterboxd, and someone goes, spoiler alert, Mads Mikkelsen is the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and like, he's he's always great as a bad guy, 
and he's so believable as a bad guy but also at the same time you're like i kind of want to root for this guy yep um so also at the end of the the train scene when he gets taken out by the like <laughs> yeah. male carrier thing that would have killed any that other person decapitated him. yeah and that's what i thought i was like okay i know he's is he a cyborg like did they yeah. reattach his head yeah honestly well, like t- yeah i was that gonna was, go ahead that was something that i one of the things where i, I think we're i've kind of said everything i want to about this movie there's there was one other thing i was going to mention that i but i'll just say i want people to see this movie um because i would rather there be movies like this that kind of take a big swing to end a character like Indiana Jones's legacy mm-hmm. than something like Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Sure. Yeah. Um, that's just like completely soulless and mostly garbage. Devoid, um, yeah. Yeah, and, and th- there there's like real filmmaking here. And like, I love James Mangold. I love Ford versus right. Ferrari and Logan. But like, there's, there's a chase scene through the parade that turns into an anti-war protest mm-hmm. at the beginning of the movie or toward the beginning of the movie that's really well done but then mm-hmm. some of the other chases aren't as good and it's mm-hmm. like it's just not the strongest it's not his strongest work but it's okay like i think this movie yeah. is good to see in theaters um so yeah. yeah 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 it's yeah i don't think it's my favorite it's by by no means my favorite mangold movie um Logan is is probably one of the like as close to perfect of a movie as as one can get, and and I you know I'm looking forward to some of the things that Mangold's gonna direct in the future. Like he's he's directing a Swamp Thing movie for DC, mm-hmm. and, and I think that'll be really interesting. Uh, that being said, yeah, I, I agree with you. It it is trying to send off Harrison Ford and and the character of Indiana Jones, which. This is like the third movie to do that, uh, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yes, you, you are so, completely right. Yeah. So it's like it's I good don't know. having you like talk about this because you are completely detached and like yeah yeah yeah. I think you're totally right. So I don't know how many times we have to do that for a character, but to your to your point of like, I would rather there be. I agree with you. I'd rather there be big swings like this than Ant Man. And Quantumania, like we didn't even really get into any spoilers, which is another kind of, you know, we love the movies. Olivia and I love the movies. We want the movies to continue mm-hmm. to reign supreme. So yeah, go see this movie if you like Indiana Jones. You will like this, maybe less so than others um, in the franchise. But um, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I, I think it's 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 a fun movie. There are some fun scenes. It's there's some good quippiness that I appreciate that yep. doesn't feel forced. It feels really natural. And so, yeah, I would say go see this movie, go get some friends, go get your family, go see it. Get some popcorn. Um, yeah. Get some popcorn. So I saw it at 12 o'clock on a Saturday and the theater was very full. So Same. I, yep. I can appreciate that aspect of this movie too. So, yep. Um, before we, we get we, into mailbag, I was going to say, are we going to transition? Okay. Let's what's transition up? to mailbag real quick. You got, okay. someone got you, was it one month or two months of AMC? A-list? A year. A year? Holy A whole cow. year. Yeah. So, so for those of you who don't know me or, or, or don't know who, anything about my life, um, in June, I finally got 
licensed as a therapist, so I'm I'm officially an LPC. Whoop, whoop. And thank you. I'm very excited. Uh, it it means it means a lot to me, and, and I'm not going to go into like exactly what all it means because that would take forever. But to celebrate that, my friends uh, here in in Oklahoma got together and bought me a 12 month subscription to AMC A list which means I get to see three free movies a week. Woo-hoo. And so, yeah, so I saw Asteroid City, and which is the new Wes Anderson, and then I saw this Indiana Jones movie. Um, I don't know if I'm going to have time today to go see a third movie, but I probably will go see a, t- a movie tomorrow. I might see two tomorrow since I have the whole day off. I'm so jealous. Um, <laughs> it's really, yeah. Um, and so I'm trying to make the most of it, especially in the summer when I've got way more free time. Um, then I will once school starts up, but yeah, like it, it's honestly probably the best, the best gift I've ever been given by anyone. That's this, so cool. Yeah. And so I, I'm probably going to go see movies that I, I wouldn't make time to go see normally. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm super jazzed about it. It's, it's such a cool gift. Yeah. Um, that is and sick. it's, yeah, it's never something I would have asked for. Um, and so, uh, I have been told that my friend Scott, I don't know if, I don't even know if Scott listens to this, but my friend Scott was the one who like was heading up that idea and he like kind of pushed for it a lot. And so shout out to, to Scott for that. Big Scott. Um, but any, if any of my friends who participated in that gift are listening, I really appreciate it. It's genuinely the best gift I've ever been given. So. Until next June or like through next June of 24, Uh I'm just going to keep asking like, what are, what are like the obscure movies that you've seen that you wouldn't have been able to see otherwise? Because AMC that you go to is pretty, like they have a pretty like diverse, like they get a lot of stuff, right? Yeah. So the one that's like right here in Yukon only has eight screens, so it doesn't get anything super crazy, but there's one at a mall that's out 30 minutes. That's where we went. To, the one that we went to go see pig at. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that one gets, that one has several screens and it's, it gets a lot of, uh, indie and like obscure movies. So like pig was an example of, of a movie that we got to go see because it was there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a 24s past lives that yep. I really, really want to go see is currently showing there. Saw and it last so, night. Oh, was it good? 10 out of 10 recommend. Okay, great. So good. I, I might go see that tomorrow. I need to see what, what time, what the show times are for tomorrow. But yeah, like, I mean, it has a Wes Anderson film. I mean, it has Asteroid City there right now, which is not showing just any, like, at any theater. And so um, something also they do is a lot of, like, foreign films. And so they, they do, I think they do this a lot in the summer, Studio Ghibli movies. And oh, so cool. there's a couple that are going to be coming out later this week. See, that's, that, like, the perfect thing, like, the A-list is perfect yeah. for, like, the, oh, sweet, I would love to see this movie in theaters. Right. And, like, like Princess Mononoke or yes. Spirit Away, that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I, I'm really jazzed about that, um, so, so yeah, it, it's, it's really a cool thing. Like, it, I have enjoyed it so much thus far that part of me is, like, should I re-up this whenever, whenever uh, it, it's expired? Um, we'll see what my life looks like in a year, but yeah, but yeah, I say do it. I say do yeah. it, but that, yeah, that's awesome. Um, jump to mailbag. Let's jump to mailbag. Cool. Okay. Starting first. Um, 
Leela asks, what's the best Indiana Jones movie? Um, I think Raiders of the Lost Ark is, even though Olivia doesn't. But also, Olivia is not as invested in the character yeah. um, as, as she's discussed on this podcast, but we still love her. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, no, it's okay. That's fair. That's fair. Um, um. Ranking them, here's my rank. Raiders of the Lost Ark, Last Crusade, Temple of Doom, Crystal Skull, Dial of Destiny. Okay. I think um, Crystal Skull is just a little bit more coherent, even though it's like very goofy. Mm-hmm. Um, rewatched all of these recently, and Shia LaBeouf is like I, like I kind of mentioned earlier. Compared to Phoebe Waller Bridge, he's blown out of the water compared mm-hmm. to like or as a sidekick for Indy. Sure. Um, Spielberg is directing him very well very very well in crystal skull because he is not sam witwicky over the top like Mm. like Mm -hmm. he's he's being pretty reserved and he's he's working pretty well and i think spielberg knew how to like kind of direct him and get Mm -hmm. him to do what he needed to do but even like uh, people have like cited him swinging through the jungle um like tarzan as a moment where they're just taken completely out of the movie and i completely understand that but that's my ranking of uh, Crystal Skull. I think Dial of Destiny is unfortunately Great. the weakest, um, but it also has people Waller Bridge. So yeah, shine which bright. I think is is why I have it. I I like it better than uh, the first one. So yeah, there we go. Yeah. Um, do you want to go back and forth? Do you want to take the next one? Yeah. So Steven asks, is there a future for mainstream silent movies with live orchestras or slash pipe organs? I What do you think? I don't I don't know. I don't know if I've ever really thought about it. Um have I gotta you stop watched... I gotta stop you real quick. Uh Steven okay. is citing a sketch from I think you should leave. Oh um, my gosh. Okay. So <laughs> But uh no, yeah, I think there's I think there's definitely I don't know, there's like anything's possible, you know? Well and also like With cinema something... cinema just births like new forms of you know, I don't know. <laughs> Entertainment. Are we just doing this? Are, are you just doing the bit? Or are you like actually uh, this answering? Is a bit. This one's a bit. The next one is a bit. <laughs> okay. Well, you keep going until we're not doing a bit anymore. Uh, what's the argument for the 4-3 aspect ratio comeback? Do you like the 4-3 aspect ratio? Like the old timey, like what we had to watch VHSs on TVs and the static on the screen and all that? Um, Do you have fond memories with that? Or are you glad like... The technology has progressed. I mean, I do. I was actually. I didn't. I don't think I realized. I didn't really think about the aspect ratio being four three. But uh, I was watching it Friday night. I had my friend Tyler over, and I flipped on an episode of SpongeBob because it was like an old episode, and it was <laughs> it was that aspect ratio. And yep. I was like, it's crazy to me that SpongeBob has been on for so long that it was when TVs were square. Mm-hmm. And not, you know, wider and like a rectangle. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I guess there's pros and cons to it. I, I don't know enough about aspect ratios or like why a director would pick a specific aspect ratio to, I think, really answer this question. So yeah. I'm sorry, Stephen. I can't give you a solid answer. Do you? Do you have strong feelings about it? No, I don't. Um, I'm glad we're at widescreen for the most part. Um, 
I think the lighthouse was close to. I don't think it was a pure. It was totally four three, but I think it was like it was definitely wasn't widescreen if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, who would win, OG Freddy Krueger or Evil Dead Two Dead Eye? Definitely Freddy Krueger because the power of dreams, baby. Um, <laughs> thank you, Stephen. Also, his uh, Instagram handle is Swagular Kalevin, so I had to just point that out. Um, <laughs> All right, Hannah yeah. asked, and this is my friend Hannah, who's been on the the podcast before. What is everyone's favorite Robin Williams movie? She specifically says Oaklem, which is me, needs to watch Patch Adams. I mm-hmm. have not seen Patch Adams. Uh, I have not either. So, all right. So I guess you need to watch it too. What is your favorite Robin Williams movie? Um, the Goat. Good who, Will Hunting. Who? Where to start? You know. Oh, I thought you were saying the Goat movie. Most people will cite Good Will Hunting. That's what he's what great in that. Um. I love the birdcage. Uh, our friend. The birdcage is so good. <laughs> the birdcage is so good. He's so good in it. He's, He's so, so good funny. in it. I didn't know he, you've seen that movie. He, uh, well, Will Jenkins introduced it to it. Okay. Me. We watched it one night, and I was like, "This is the greatest thing I've ever seen." Will, shout out to Will. Of course, you've seen Will. that movie. That's amazing. It is yes. so good. And Nathan, that was my first Nathan Lane movie too, and I was like, "This is the funniest person I've ever." Seen. You wait that you've seen the Lion King. He's in the Lion King. Well, I didn't. I'd never seen Nathan Lane in a movie. Before. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. I guess that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Um, like physically seen him. Yeah. Um, gotcha. Also, think. Oh, have you seen Insomnia? The. Uh, uh-uh, but I've heard it's good. It's good. He's good in that. Um, kind of underrated. Um, Teddy Roosevelt. His performance as Teddy Roosevelt in uh, Ninth Museum's Loki hilarious yeah um no he's so good in that that one is but i'm glad i'd seen birdcage to be able to say birdcage because i probably would have said goodwill hunting yeah that's fair um but what's what's yours oh man robin williams is one of those actors who i i like grew up with and he just is really significant to so many aspects of my childhood like my family quotes rv all the time that is a movie we reference a lot i loved flubber i don't uh the birdcage was a movie we watched a lot as a when i was a kid uh hook robots uh of course he's so good as uh the genie in aladdin and he's mm-hmm. great in dead poet society but i think and it's it's purely for nostalgic reasons i think it's going to have to be Mrs. Doubtfire, which I yep. think Hannah probably already knew the answer to that question. You may have already known the answer to that question, but I just love Mrs. Doubtfire. That movie is completely unhinged if you actually think about it. Yep. Like the concept of it. But I, lo- I love it. It's just one of my favorite movies of all time. So my okay, actual... What? Go ahead. What? I was going to say, the my profile picture on my social media accounts right now, well, at least on my Facebook and Instagram... Are of me standing in front of the Mrs. Doubtfire house. Oh, nice. Wait, yeah. where is it? San Francisco. Okay. Um, what would you do to see the R-rated cut of Mrs. Doubtfire where he is like swearing in every scene? I would. I. I don't. Uh, whatever it took. I guess. Like, yeah. I would love to see that that version. Yeah. Kind of like I would like to see a cut of uh, 
into the Spider-Verse with John Mulaney as Spider-Ham just swearing the whole time. Yes. Yeah. I, I would love to see that version, too. Yeah. Goodness gracious. So. Um, Sarika says... No, Logan. Wait. Lo- Logan. So, yeah. Logan right? via Sarika, because Logan doesn't have an Instagram account, wants to know everyone's top five Kevin James movies. And when I saw that, I texted Sarika and I said, I don't know if the guys have seen collectively five Kevin James movies. Well, lucky for Logan. I'm so glad he asked, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Have, um, have you have... seen? Nope. Um, okay. But I can... Paul Blart, Mall Cop. I did see... I saw Paul Blart, Mall Cop in theaters. I did too! Nice! There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Peanut Um, Blarter and Jelly. It's a great moment. Um, It is good. And Hitch. That's my my top two. (laughs) Yeah. I think Hitch... Hitch is number one. Paul Blart, Mall Cop is number two. Um... Grown Ups is three for me. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry is probably four, mm-hmm. which that's also an insane movie if I actually think about it. But that's also a movie we watched all the time yeah. as a kid. Um, Grown Ups two, I hate Grown Ups two. It's so bad. Like, but like badly made. It's just it's, yeah, it's just not a good movie. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, I think I think Hitch is probably my favorite Kevin James movie. So he um, seems like a really nice person, like a cool person. Like I would love to hang out with him and uh, the Sandman. Yeah, no, I, here's, here's what I appreciate about like those guys, like specifically Adam Sam, uh, Sandler is, I almost said Andy Samberg, which is, this is, I think a little true for him too, but, uh, Adam Sandler. I'm just kidding. I was like, shut up. Uh, is that, Adam Sandler will bring in the same crew of guys. Like, he will bring in his his buddies for every movie, and I really appreciate that. Like, I think that's what I love about him so much, is that he really, at the end of the day, just wants to make movies with his his friends, with his buddies, and I really respect that. Because I think, if I had that, like, if I had that level of success and I could do that, like, yeah, make... He makes his his indie movies, his uncut gems, and that kind of thing. Uh, but but I really respect that he he'll just make a stupid movie with his buddies because they just thought it was going to be a good time, and they do. Yep. And I I appreciate that. I would do that too. That's a great point. Yeah. Um, Jess says, "Who is your favorite person to watch movies with, and why?" It's you, babe. I love watching movies with you. He is talking about his wife, Jess, not yes. not me. Yeah. Let's clarify that. I think she may have been expecting me to give a different answer, but uh, really, yeah, I don't think, I feel like, no, there's no one else that comes to mind. I really enjoy watching movies with you, Olivia, but we don't ever We don't watch get to do that together. very often. Yeah. Um, we, geography and stuff. Yeah, but, the whole yeah. thing. What about you? Um, I enjoy watching movies with you. I, yeah, like, I wish we got to do that more often, but... Um, I don't know if I have, like, one singular person that I'm like, this is my all-time favorite person to watch movies with. I think anytime I can watch a movie with friends or family who also want to see it and we get to, like, enjoy that time together, even if it's, like, a bad movie. Like, it's fun to watch a a bad movie with friends where you get to just kind of make fun of the movie the whole time. Like, I appreciate Mm. those moments, you know? 
And so, um, I think, I think just being able to share that moment with, with someone is, is a lot of fun. So I'm answering the question without really answering the question. I don't have a, a it's more category person. than a person, but we'll accept that. Yeah. Sorry. But, um, um runners up are, uh, the, the assets movie crew, um, Walter and Gabe and Will and Jordan and Jabo and Kyle. Nice. Yeah. Solid group. Great Solid guys. group. Next. Yeah. All right. Bobby asks, which opening night are you? Oh, I don't think I typed that correctly. Which opening night are you attending? Barbie or Oppenheimer? Ooh. Twitter, film Twitter is like just exploding over this question. Yes. It, which is fair. Yeah. I think they're going to be fantastic movies for such different reasons. Um, you guys are going to be in Canada, aren't you? Yeah, we're going to be traveling, unfortunately. Um, I think I may be able to see one of them while mm-hmm. we're on vacation, but we're, it's also a really long vacation, so I'm not sure if I'm going to have to wait till I get back to see the other. So okay. we're actually that may prove to be a scheduling <laughs> conflict, okay. honestly. Okay. But All right. um, if I could choose, like, if we weren't traveling, I would try to see... Oppenheimer at like mm-hmm. noon. Yeah. Go get drinks and dinner. Mm-hmm. Talk about it. Mm-hmm. And go see Barbie in the evening. Yeah. I think that's my plan. Uh, I think my plan is to use two of my free movies that week to go see Oppenheimer. Yeah. Noon, sometime in the afternoon. Go get, you know, something to eat. Settle from whatever it is that I experienced while watching that movie and then finish it off with Barbie. Can you, with your thing, can you see, like, can you use all three in the same day? I don't know if I can use all three in the same day. I think that would have to be like strategic planning on my part, but I, I don't, I haven't read anything where I can't use more than one on one day. So interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I, Um, I guess I will find out on this day. Who are you going to see both, either or both with? Uh, I was talking with my parents about possibly seeing it with them. Um, I can a see lot your dad my, loving Barbie. I kind of I think he actually will. <laughs> um, so, TBD. I, it, I, I think I, I am going to go see it with them. And I'll keep everyone posted on what uh, Terry and Alexis think of, of these films. Very good. So. Jess right. is really excited for Oppenheimer because she loves anything dark in World War II. And I don't know. Barbie may be the one that I see by myself in um, Canada. Um, yeah. Nice. Incredible double feature, honestly. I, I think it's going to be such a great double feature. Also, I'm sure you've seen Actually, I know you've seen this. Um Who's directing the new Mission Impossible movie? Uh, Christopher McQuarrie. Okay, so did you see where he and Tom Cruise went and saw Oppenheimer and Barbie and like uh, Indiana Jones and they had posted about it? Mm-hmm. Did you see that? Okay, and yeah. then did you see that Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie did the same thing um, with Mission Impossible, Oppenheimer? Oh, and yeah, Indiana, yeah, yeah. I didn't know yeah. That. So, so someone was like, "All right." Uh, Killian Murphy and uh, Christopher Nolan, you guys have a week to respond. 
I saw it's a really turn. Did you end up seeing Banshees of Inisherin? Yeah. So I saw a hilarious. It was the clip of um, Colin Farrell outside <laughs> uh, Brendan Gleeson's mm-hmm. little hut, and Brendan mm-hmm. Gleeson's just like sitting there looking sad from Banshees, and it says <laughs> the caption was Christopher Nolan trying to get. Killian Murphy out to do press tour for <laughs> Oppenheimer. <laughs> and it's the funniest thing because Killian Murphy gives like zero shits about, yeah. about press and stuff. But it was like in order to, to like pose with Barbie tickets or something. Yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, have you seen the video? I think it's from, it has to be the Dark Knight Rises, uh, like, press tour of him and Tom Hardy together. It might be for, um, what was that show that they were in on Netflix? Oh, Peaky Blinders. Peaky Blinders. It might have been for that. I don't remember. But they're together, and someone is asking them, like, about where they're from and, like, insinuates that they're... I can't remember what country Tom Hardy is from, but it... Uh, yeah, he's Murphy's... like he's like you're both British, and he's like no, I'm Irish, and he's yeah, like, he's like no, I'm thing. Irish. It's like it's not like that person yeah. is getting and, fired, <laughs> and and Tom Hardy like immediately was like it is not the same, like was like trying to like save that guy because that guy was about to get murdered by yep. Killian Murphy. Yep, I I love that so much. It's so good. Um, anyway, Justin asks, is the 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie the best movie ever made? Yes or yes. Have either of us seen this movie? I don't think I've... I know I haven't seen it. Sorry, Justin. Sorry, Justin. Uh, Justin, I'll let you know if I watch it, though. And I'll let you we'll know go see if the it's new the one. best movie. You can go see I the new one. I am going to go with, see the new one. Uh, yeah. You're For sure. A-plus, a A-list a stubs. Yeah. Um, Tyler asked, what is your favorite Christopher Nolan movie? Have you seen... Um, do you, do you know off the top of your head how many of his movies you've seen? I've seen Inception and Tenet and Interstellar and all the Dark Knight trilogy. So six? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think... How many have you seen? I've seen them all. You've seen all of them? Yeah. I mean, he's wow. only made 10 or 11. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I know he hasn't made a ton so it's a little bit easier to get through his. This is a throwback to um, the Christopher Nolan episode that Eric and I did. You and Eric did forever ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was when Tenant was released. Right, it was and right I, around that and time. And I have a list, and I'm having a really hard time finding it. So I'm trying to vamp. Okay, but, well, while you're doing that, I can tell you what yep. my favorite Nolan movie is. I, I really genuinely think, I think I saw, in, no, I saw The Dark Knight before I saw Inception, but I think Inception is my favorite just because it was so unlike anything I'd ever seen before at the time, and I watched it and I was like, oh, this is, the all the hype was real, and like, mm-hmm. it also didn't do it justice, like, also it has, you know, just such a great cast in it, and so I think also every time I learn something new about like the w- way that movie was made, it makes me love it so much more. Yeah. And and so I, yeah, so I think Inception is my favorite. Um although Interstellar is incredible. Also it's so depressing, but it's so good. Yep. Um my top 3 are Dunkirk, 
The Dark Knight and The Prestige. Nice. Yeah. Yep. I love yeah. Dunkirk. The, it's powerful. The Dark Knight is it it's such a great film too. So. Yep. Um Olivia Tyler asked who is your favorite actor actresses uh, or a few that land near the top. That is a great question and since cuz Tyler asked me that question he's asked me that before and I have been thinking about it since and I don't know if I have like an all-time favorite but one that I know that you and I both love is Ryan Gosling, right? Like mm-hmm. he's so good in everything he's in. Um, I think Margot Robbie has come in and just taken Hollywood by storm. I think Florence Pugh is another one of those actors who's done that as well. Um, I think Robin Williams is probably one of my favorite ones as well. Like if I'm thinking like older, like back to when I was a kid, um, I don't know. I could go, I feel like I could list a lot of people, um, Obviously, Robin Williams is like fresh on my mind because we were just talking about him. Yeah. But Christian Bale is another good one. Who, who are some of yours? Um, Denzel Washington. Ah, um, so Ryan good. Gosling for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, so some smaller names, but people that I'm like, like legitimately love basically anything mm-hmm. they're in. Shea Wiggum. Yes. Michael Shannon. Yes. Daniel Kaluuya. He's so good in everything. Um, yeah, Christian Which, Bale. Yeah. Viggo Mortensen. Yeah. Viggo Mortensen was in a really weird movie from David Cronenberg called uh, Crimes of the Future. Uh huh. <laughs> that I, I, anyone who's watching this or listening to this, I dare you to go watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and report it's got back. a case to you in it, too. Yes. Do it. Who yep. also, I think, I think yeah, I would say she's, one she's my, probably one of my favorites. Yep. Um, um, Lakeith Stanfield. Yep. I think he's one of my favorites too. And yeah, that's that's a bad. Oh, Zazie Beetz. She's oh yeah, she's one of my all time favorites. She's so good too. Um, um, Gina Davis. Yeah. Viola Davis. Yep. Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. I feel like that's a good list. I think that's a good list. I think if I really were to like do a top ten for like actors and actresses, I would I would need more time to like sit and think through like. I we can we maybe we maybe we do that sometime. That'd be a good like, episode. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So we'll come back to that later with a more flushed out list. But I think those are those are a good uh, jumping off points for us. Yeah. Faux show. Faux show. Nathan asks, how do you prioritize watching movies, especially movies that may not excite you but are still important culturally? This is a great question. This is a great question. I saw that. Yeah, I I saw that this morning and I was like, I don't know how I prioritize watching movies. I think for me, I try to prioritize movies that are coming out, I think, more. I don't know if if that's true. If I'm able to go see it at the theater, I want to go see it at the theater, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I try to prioritize that when I can. Um, that always that doesn't always work out. Um, but, like, Parasite was re-released whenever it was nominated for all the Oscars. And so I was like, I'm going to go see this at the theater. Um, and it was such a great experience. And so I'm glad I did that. 
but as far as like older movies, I don't have a rhyme or reason. It's more just like I want to watch this movie. It's available to available to me in whatever capacity, and so I'm gonna try to do that. Now there are some things that I think I try to like prioritize a little bit, like um, a couple years ago, and this was something I talked about with Eric of like prioritizing for like foreign films more and trying to watch those a little bit more just to get a different like feel for like how movies are made in other countries um kind of how they're set up differently than than they are in america like as far as american movies are are concerned um and there's some movies that like people like lord of the rings that people rave about that i'm just like ah nah no thanks. You just can't muster yourself to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, I'm trying to think of something other than Lord of the Rings. And I'm just like, I don't know if I'll ever watch that movie. Um, Requiem for a Dream or Clockwork Orange. I don't know yeah. if I'll ever watch those movies. Yeah. Uh, just based on what I've read about them and uh, kind of the content, it's hard for me to watch stuff like that. And though both of those movies, I think, are culturally important, but I, I just don't know if I can muster it up to watch it, at yep. least at this point in my life. So, so I don't... Was that coherent? Yeah, that was. That was very coherent. Okay, great. And you right. answered, like, there's, there's, like, many different uh, aspects to this question by which it can be answered. Mm-hmm. I'll take a couple... Uh, I'll take a different tack. Yeah. Um... A great way to get introduced to like all different types of movies is to watch through a director's filmography. Yeah. And the way that I kind of like came about that is the podcast Blank Check with Griffin and David. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, aren't you glad I'm mentioning it in a uh, in a like mailbag context where yeah. we can like provide people additional ways they can enjoy movies? Olivia? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Not that's just great. like taking steam away from our own podcast (laughs) blank check with dick griffin and david is really great because dick griffin what it sounded like you said dick griffin and blank dick griffin (laughs) (laughs) uh blank check is awesome because they've they've done christopher nolan but then they've done like hayao miyazaki Mm -hmm. miyazaki who did uh all the studio ghibli movies or most of them um one of the best directors ever and the whole premise is like how did this person get to a point where they're like famous? They've done a bunch mm-hmm. of Spielberg movies. They've done like the second half of Spielberg's career, um, which is really interesting because there's like a lot of duds in there that Spielberg made. Yeah. Um, they are doing Park Chan Wook right now, and mm-hmm. he's amazing. He did uh, Decision to Leave last year. He did Old Boy, Little Drummer mm-hmm. Girl. He's doing um, The Sympathizer. Uh, it's like a Vietnam War. Mm hmm crazy looking hbo series with robert downey jr it's coming out next year or maybe this fall later this um, year it's coming out so within the next good. calendar year yeah yeah um so that's one way to go about kind of like they uh, they've done stanley kubrick so i got to mm-hmm. watch through all of stanley kubrick's movies around the time that my daughter was born when i was at home quite a bit and spoiler alert i did not like Clock- clockwork orange at all it's like yeah gnarly and depressing and mm-hmm. there you just find kind of things that matter or don't matter um akira kurosawa i watched i haven't seen all of his movies but i did see seven samurai mm-hmm. so it was just like kind of like 
they're great resources to get exposed to the movies that are most culturally relevant, like AFI, Top 500, mm-hmm. um, other lists on Letterboxd that you can go find that are like right. the mainstays on Letterboxd. Yeah. Um, and then I guess in terms of just like mindset, go in with an open mind and just kind of watch something, especially like if it's foreign, start with something like Seven Samurai or Ron or um, Throne of Blood that mm-hmm. has incredible action sequences. And those movies actually like inspired Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So like the movies that you love, go and see what inspired those movies. Um, yeah, you'll really, you'll really find some amazing stuff. But just go in with an open mind, kind of like carve out time, get some friends who you know love movies to watch them with you. That's like, I guess that's, that's like the only way to answer that question. Yeah, and I think like, yeah, there are some movies that I feel like are important that don't excite me necessarily. Like Citizen Kane is is such a influential film, right? Like it's hailed as one of the greatest movies of all time. And it doesn't necessarily excite me, but it is something I eventually want to watch because of its impact uh, culturally. Uh, and, and like, again, like going back to kind of how we were talking about Indiana Jones, it's it's not for me, but man, it, it definitely has impacted and shifted the way that like every other action and adventure film since its release has, has, um, made those movies. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's cool watching movies that you can look back, like you can look at and be like, that's why they did this in this other movie. Right. Like we talked about that with Thelma and Louise. Right. We, we've talked about so many movies, like just, either between you and me or like even on the podcast that were influenced by Thelma and Louise. Yeah. And we can look back at that and go, Oh, that was, that was that. So like Thelma and Louise is not going to be for everyone, right? Like it's, it's not going to be a movie everyone loves, but I think that it has, you know, this cultural significance to it, even if you're like, ah, it was okay. Yes. So. Yeah. And, and part of that is like going in Olivia, you're kind of um, like, just meh about uh lord of the rings is a great example of this where like you have a response you have like a just kind of like average response to something that is lauded Mm -hmm. uh culturally and that's good because because it's yeah like your response to like lord of the rings is proof that not everyone feels that way about lord of the Mm -hmm. rings and it's it's like very legitimate as much as as much crap as walter and i gave you (laughs) on that episode so yeah so much all um, right ne- the next question is also kind of a great dovetail into that and i'll let you take it since you have uh responses for that yeah so so nathan again asks which also i love that we that you and i both know nathan yep like just we know nathan Small from world. very very different areas of our lives uh, but nathan asks what are some movies that have surprised you the most meaning you had low expectations going in but ended up loving it so uh, so I, I, I was, I saw that this morning and I was like, okay, I need to like actually put down some movies cause coming up with something off the top of my head was going to be too much in the moment, I think for me. So the two movies I was like, I'm going to talk about these are Parasite and Game Night. Now I want to be clear. I did not have low expectations going into Parasite. Mm-hmm. I just did not know what to expect. No, everyone was like expectations. Yeah. Like everyone was just talking about how great of a film it was. Like all of film Twitter was just going on and on about it. Right. But I had no idea what it was about. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I, I genuinely just did not know. And I watched the trailer, and I didn't want to read anything about it before watching it, because I was like, I don't want it to be spoiled for me. And so it was just I, it was just kind of this uncertainty of, of how I was going to feel about this movie, especially because, like, I haven't watched that many... Like, at that point, especially, I hadn't watched that many foreign films, and I think that for a lot of people maybe our age, that was a good introduction into foreign film. Um, yep. And, and so... That was that was a movie that really surprised me by how how much I loved it and and just being completely uncertain and I think it goes back to kind of like what you were talking about of like going in with an open mind. That was a movie I was like, we'll see what happens and yeah. it it blew my my mind. And so like I think that's an example of one and then something very very different different type of movie is Game Night, which We've talked about. Have you seen? You've seen Game Night, right? Oh yeah, I love Game yeah, Night. Yeah, yeah. It's it is probably one of the best comedies that have come out in the past decade. Yep. But so few people have seen it, and I saw people like talking about it and referencing it a lot. And like, it's got a great cast. And I was like, I will watch this as I'm flying from Oklahoma City to San Francisco. Um, and I watched it on my phone, and I was like, this movie is fantastic and why do we as a society not talk about it more like mm. i was just floored by how funny and and original and and creative and and just all around great it was i i did not expect to like it that much like i thought it'll be fine like rachel mcadams is is great she's another actor i could add to the list of favorite mm. um that we didn't mention but like Rachel McAdams and Jason Bateman were, were so good in it. And, and as was the rest of the cast, there were people who popped up in the movie that I wasn't expecting to show up like Chelsea Peretti. And, and so that was, that's an example of a movie that I was so surprised by how much I loved it and have just like kind of thought it like, it's just, it's one of those movies that kind of sits in my mind. Parasite's another movie that just sits in my mind sometimes. And I'm like, wow, that's such a good movie. And I think about that with game night too. So yep. those are my, my movies that maybe surprised me the most. What about you? Uh, my two are Columbus that we've done on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a mm-hmm. seven, 2017 movie. Um, that uh, the movie's really special to me for a couple reasons. One, it's like it's extremely unusual and meditative, and it kind of like uses these unusual spaces and architectural um, touchstones in Columbus, Indiana, as the backdrop for like two mm-hmm. characters kind of exploring loss in different Mm -hmm. areas of their lives and their friendship and it's the one of the last movies that i saw that i just turned i saw on hulu and i was like this looks Mm -hmm. really interesting and i turned it on and it kind of like changed my movie definitely my movie watching um Mm -hmm. habits in on in a smaller like micro sense my life to a certain degree just Mm -hmm. in terms of how i view the world and different things um highly recommend that so good the second would be, I just had it. Um, the Empty Man. It's a horror movie. It's got mm. a great title. It's got a great poster. I said, looks scary. Let's turn it on. And Jess and I were both like, that's one of our favorite scary movies ever. And I don't want to spoil anything, but there's a man. And he's empty? empty. Yeah. It's so wow. good. That is a cool 
poster. Also, that image is terrifying. It's 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 really great. It's a creepy movie. And this is it's, this is perfect because horror is really great because you have like gory horror, you have thrilling horror, you have invasion mm-hmm. horror, zombies, all this vampires, all this stuff. The Empty Man is like just creepy. And I love I love movies that are just creepy and they keep you like there's creepy things happening consistently. Mm-hmm. Nothing like it. It's so good. Okay. All right. Will I watch it? Oh, it's based on a graphic novel. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Same name. Very cool. Interesting. Um, Dylan asks, how come shows like Game of Thrones and Wheel of Time can have similar budgets or in releases? But the visual quality, such as uh, visual effects, coloring, et cetera, can be just so drastically different. What gives Wheel of Time a more amateur look than Game of Thrones? I hope this makes sense. I feel like it's more than a difference in cinematographer because a lot of Amazon Prime shows have this amateurish look. This is a really great question. Mm-hmm. Um, Olivia, as, as established, you're not like super into fantasy. Sure, yeah. Outside yeah. of Harry Potter, right? Yeah, and that's I, that's more of a nostalgic like, kinda, thing yeah. for me than anything else. Um, but yeah, were you gonna follow something up with that? No, just like, do you have any thoughts about yeah. this? Like, because I do think that you kind of have a feel for like how things look, and sure, I, I'll kind of speak to the, specifically Game of Thrones and Wheel of Time here in a second. But do you have any thoughts about like just visual effects and we covered it on Ant Man, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that that you can throw money at stuff and have stuff with big budgets and it still come out looking like trash or just like looking mediocre, just okay. If you aren't taking the time to, to make it well. Um, I think that's something that's like really important is, um, I think with game of Thrones, which, I didn't. I only watched the first season and half of the second season of Game of Thrones. So, uh, but what I really appreciated was like you're thrown into this world and it is made really well. Like it, it's a fantastic looking show. It it's the acting is good. The characters are interesting. Um, and, and what everyone has told me the biggest complaint about Game of Thrones was kind of the the way it was rushed in the final season and I. I've seen a couple episodes from the final season and one of the episodes I've seen is, um, the, the battle, the big battle episode where it's, it's dark the entire time. Mm -hmm. And I watched it in a room with all the lights turned off and there was no, no single shred of light except for what was coming from the TV. And it was still so dark. And I understand, like, I guess that's probably what it would have been like if, you were fighting a war in medieval time, which I realize it's not set necessarily in medieval times, but it has that feel. But yeah, I don't, I don't know anything about will of time. And I, I actually had only just seen something about it the other day. And so I don't, I don't know what it looks like visually, but I think like if you are going to make a show that requires a lot of visual effects or you're going to make a movie, make it, well and and take your time on it like that's the issue or one of the issues with the marvel movies right is they have these giant budgets but they are changing what they want last minute and are expecting you like not you but like expecting the expecting me personally expecting isaac specifically 
to be able to adjust and because it, it takes so much time to make the animated visual effects, right? I mean, think about how long it took to make Beyond the Spider-Verse or Across the Spider-Verse, sorry. It took them four years to make that movie. And, mm-hmm. and for and one the of the characters... were like overworked too. Right, yeah. Like which they we were, just they recently, were, there was a story about that in Variety, I believe. Yeah, so. yeah. Like they, those artists were overworked and... You know how much better would have been if they'd given them five years instead of four now mm-hmm. as a, a viewer like it would have been more annoying to wait but also as a person who understands being overworked because we live in a capitalistic society i would much rather these artists be given time to make their art well and make it great than uh than being forced and pigeonholed into a specific timeline because we can't have unhappy consumers. And it's like, well, can't, we, we can. It's okay. They're fine. Yeah. You know, yep. I and don't... Spider-Verse, like, pushing back the release date was an interesting, like... Yes. You know, antithesis to Marvel's... Um, Marvel won't push something back unless they have like a couple years, like at least a year of like mm-hmm. leeway before they're like, okay, we're shifting all this out as they just did with a bunch of their, I think most of their movies. Um, um, but yeah, so my, I guess my response to this, so I have watched the first season of Wheel of Time and all of Game of Thrones. And there are a couple things about like, I really don't understand. I think that the that HBO and the directors and all that stuff for the long night battle mm-hmm. sequence. Some people's TVs slash screens are just equipped to like for it to be visual because it was completely visually coherent for Jessica mm-hmm. and I when we watched it. And we were like, wow, that was really thrilling. And then people were like, we couldn't see anything. And we were like, mm-hmm. we couldn't see everything. <laughs> so yeah. so it, it really, the jury's still out on like, I think that they just cut it too close. Like it's just a little bit too dark. And sure. um, so so that's just kind of neither here nor there. And Dylan, like as far as Wheel of Time versus Game of Thrones, I really can't tell you why Wheel of Time doesn't look quite as good as Game of Thrones because Amazon is literally spending like hundreds of millions of dollars to mm-hmm. make um, to make it, to make Wheel of Time. Um, when Wheel of Time came out, we just kind of liked it and we didn't have a problem as much with how it looks so much as the conclusion of the first season was mm-hmm. story-wise we were pretty like mystified and kind of like let down and befuddled by why they chose to end it the way they did um i know that i think that part of it is quality of the artists who are working on it because i would say like the counter to wheel of time looking so bad for or kind of goofy for a prime show in terms of visual effects would be that Lord of the Rings looked very, very good for the most part. The sure. of power show yeah. um, that came out that regardless of how you feel about it, most of the visual effects looked pretty dang good mm-hmm. and like almost Lord of the Rings, uh, Jackson level of good. So I can't really tell you why. Um, there's some great coverage that Zach Barron, I believe his name is, um, has done covering Wheel of Time. They moved their entire cast to Austria or like somewhere crazy for like mm-hmm. the production of the second season and I believe the third season. Um, so yeah, you can go check that out. But yeah, honestly couldn't tell you. I just know that HBO, like the, 
their in-house um their in-house talent is just so stacked it's crazy Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah and i think from what it seems like i i mean i realize kind of age like warner brothers is is kind of in a weird place right now as they're transitioning from hbo max to max but i think it seems like hbo specifically like treats their um their in-house people pretty well and because like why else would all these people keep coming back to these, yeah. you know, these different shows or, or, you know, original movies or that kind of thing. So I think they just do it in a way that maybe other other places are doing it quite the same, right? Like, unless someone is just doing great PR for HBO, you know, I just, you don't hear the same stories from them as you do, like, with Marvel or, you know, other studios. So yep. So true. So true. Um, okay, I want to kind of jump through these last couple. Okay. So um, Brett asks... Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, you're good. Brett asks, what are your favorite music biopics? His is Rocket Man. Um, I have never seen Rocket Man, but I've heard it's great. You've seen it. You really like it. No, um, I haven't seen Rocket Man, unfortunately. Oh, why do I... I keep thinking... That's the second time I've done that, actually. I keep thinking oh, that really? you have seen it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my favorite is Tick, Tick, Boom. I realize I haven't seen very many bio, like music biopics, uh, but Tick, Tick, Boom, I think is my favorite. What is yours? Tick, Tick, Boom is probably my favorite. I really like Walk the Line because I love mm-hmm. Johnny Cash's story. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Good question. Yeah, great question. S- Spencer asked, how many Rocky movies should there be? I'm not a completist <laughs> on Rocky. I just will say that the third Creed was not great. Um mm. So maybe give it a rest for a little bit and let Michael B. Jordan do some other stuff. So sure. yeah, I've never seen any of the Rocky movies. So oh I, dang, you yeah, haven't seen one? No, that's another like one that I just I don't like sports movies. This and is, I hate this is boxing. another fascinating thing about you because like you you love sports more than you love movies, right? I. Think I love them equally, just different. They sure. mean different things to me. Um, you you like sports adjacent movies though, right? Sure. Yeah, I like. I will. Lo- I will watch a sports documentary. I love a good sports documentary. My problem with like sports movies is I hate watching sports played poorly, and in a yeah. lot of sport movies, they're trash. Have you seen Like Mike? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I love Like Mike, but that's not a good movie, and I love it for nostalgic reasons. It's not like because it's it's a great movie, no. um, but and, and a lot of sports movies are like, even if they're based on true stories, they're not actually told super accurately, and it's hard for me to get around that sometimes. I don't know why that is. So, so anyway, sure. No, that's good. Um, I don't, I don't have a huge affinity for the Rocky movies, but I do. Um, I really like one. I've never seen two, three or four. Um, and I really love Creed. So there you go. All right. Nice. Um, and then Amberly said, this is our final question from Amberly. When are you going to cover La La Land on the podcast? 
Olivia, can we cover La La Land on the podcast? Because it's definitively not a flyover movie. It is definitively not a flyover movie. However, it's our podcast and we can do whatever we want. And La La Land's one of the few movies that you and I went to go see at the theater together. So true. So, Amberly, that's a great question. I would love for us to cover it at some point. I don't think Walter would give a crap about it, but that's okay. I could see him being, you know how he's, I don't know. You know how he feels about Moonfall. I can't pin down what movies he's going to like and what movies he's not going to like. Like with you, I I have a feel like, like I have a pretty good like idea if you're going to like it or not. I haven't been able to nail that down with, with Walter. With Walter too. I mean like everybody is like if just everybody is subject to the emotional state that they're in whenever they watch it. Um, but I feel like Walter is particularly, um, like swayed by like, like if he's in a bad mood, he'll hate a movie that's like actually kind of good. So I can't point to anything specific, but I feel like that's the case for some reason. Hmm. Maybe I'm but. totally out of line. <laughs> I, <say that. laughs> I don't. I mean, I don't know. You spend way more time with Walter than I do, though. So yeah, um, he. Uh, yeah, I just think about like the last movie that I saw with him that he hated that I enjoyed was Cocaine Bear, and he was just oh, like, oh yeah, he hated that movie. Oh, dang it. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> he also didn't. Want he to hates see it wasting before. time, and that's I that's like a that. thing. Where, like I, if I see a bad movie, I'm like. Ah, man, that was stupid. But you know what? I got to watch a movie, so that's good. That's fair. Um, when are we going to cover La La Land, Isaac? Next year? Next year. Yeah, let's do next, next year. Next year. 2024. Yep. Um, you want to see someone special? Please tell me I get to see Baby Soph. Oh, baby. Baby Soph is upstairs in the yes. studio. I can't there wait to have her on for the first time. Um. Any final thoughts about Indiana Jones or... Oh, baby Soph. Hi, Joss. Say hi. Can you say hi? Say bye-bye. Hi, baby Soph. Oh, she's grabbing the mic. Oh, grabbing the mic. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll, we'll sign off here. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't have any final I don't have any th- final thoughts. Do you? Nope. Thank you for listening. If you made it this far, please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us out a lot. Our next episode is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Did we add that to our calendar? Yes, I think so. Um, why don't you pull that up and I'll finish our spiel. Okay. Our music yep. is Mission by Impossible. Cord. Awesome. Awesome. Um, right before we go out of town. Our music is by Cord and Jocks. Our art is by Macy Lummis. They're engaged. They're engaged. Yeah, we, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. They're both Little Rock artists. Go check them out. And we will see you in a couple weeks. All right. Bye. Bye.